If you're like me, you love and miss that golden era of Christian music. From the Jesus music of the 70s, the monster vocalists of the 80s, and the creativity and risk-taking of the 90s and early 2000s. I'm Andy Chrisman, and for the past four decades, I was privileged to be smack dab in the middle of this crazy and beautiful thing that we call CCM. As a member of the group for him, I got to know so many great people with even greater stories. And I don't want to keep these stories to myself. That's why I created One Degree of Andy, so you can join me as I reminisce with my friends and colleagues. My hope is that as you experience these conversations, you'll go back and listen to that golden era of music and fall in love all over again, just like I have. This is the One Degree of Andy podcast. This Christmas season, I thought I'd give you a little gift. Well, really, it's more of a gift to myself, of sitting down and telling stories with one of my best friends. Between the two of us, Kirk Sullivan and I have enough stories about the touring life to literally fill a warehouse. So I thought it would be fun to just dive in and start telling some of them, like we always do when we get together. We bounce around from our days in truth for him and what's happening in our lives at the present. Now, you'll notice we're already laughing when the podcast starts because Kirk was launching into stories before we even started rolling, and I had to make him stop. Save it for the podcast. So I'm not even going to try and tell you what this episode is about, except you get to spend a little bit of time with to him. You see what I did there? Now, I got to tell you, it's been a joy to read all of your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram comments about the podcast. These conversations with classic CCM artists has struck a chord with so many of you and your responses are truly inspiring. So please keep them coming. And let me know what artists you want to hear on the pod or what sides of the industry you'd like to hear about. And if you love the audio conversations, you should consider becoming a premium subscriber so that you can access the full unedited videos of these podcasts as well. Just click the link in the episode notes or go to andycrispin.com and sign up today. It's super easy and it's a great way to help keep the podcast going. And one more thing before Kirk jumps on, go to andychrisman.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. That way you can keep up with my radio show, Worship with Andy Chrisman, where I'm going to be singing and leading worship each month, how you can support the worship table and many of the other ministries that I'm involved with, and so that you don't miss out on any special monthly deals. Again, go sign up for my newsletter at andychrisman.com. Okay, let's get on with it. Here's an hour of two hymn stories with my bro, Kirk Sullivan. If you knew the trouble that we had getting this podcast just started, because when Kirk and I get together, it's just a free-for-all. And if you've been around Kirk, you know, Kirk is a walking free-for-all. I hope that's a positive statement. To See, say. we need to edit that out, too. So. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not editing that out. So the reason, Kirk, the reason I wanted to sit down with you, and as our audience is listening today, you know, I have lots of artists on the show. Uh, we had our great for him episodes that aired and, and were, were wildly popular. And then I had Roger Breland on a few episodes back, and that was a hugely popular episode. And it just reminded me that there are so many stories left on the table, you know, because we kind of get serious about, about careers and what we've walked through. Uh, there's just this subculture of people who, um, who have done what we've done, and there's very few of us out there. Uh, especially from back in the era of the of the 80s and 90s when things were a little bit different. 
we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, I just thought it would be fun for our audience to just maybe sit on the couch next to us as we kind of reminisce and share some stories about what we've been through and you know what life was like back in those days. So welcome to the One Degree Vanity Podcast. My touring buddy, my brother, Kirk Sullivan. So uh, I like your studio set up there. I like that. There's a, I like that cool for him poster that you've got. Oh yeah. That that's got up there behind you. Well, that's the one I had when I had up when we were doing the, the hymns album and Mark, Mark it, it's still on there. Uh, uh, it's got your name up in, in, in tape down there. It's got Joe dirt. <laughs> it's still there. Wallet. I didn't take it off. It's still yeah. there. So, so, you know, so that, that, that picture, for those of you who are going to watch the video and, and just let me remind you, if you want to watch the video, you have to become a premium subscriber. So, uh, there is, I'll, I'll explain that in the intro and the outro as well. But, uh, on that photo that was taken between, I believe, or maybe right after the face the nation album or right before the face the nation album, it was an extra, it was an extra photo shoot that we did. And if you, if you, if, if you can see this picture, I am the same height as everybody else in the group. The reason is because I was standing on an apple crate and which was fine. But when this picture ran in CCM magazine as an ad, they didn't crop out the box, the apple box crate. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those things where you realize (laughs) I'm really not in control of my career here. There are so many people that have their hands in what they're doing that I just, and I I just want to survive this. (laughs) Well, well, didn't they do that on a young Messiah shoot? Um, yeah, but I just remember, well, I just remember this. I just remember this picture here just going, well, gee, thanks a lot. She just, Basically told everybody I'm like the shortest person in Christian music. What are they think? What What were they thinking? Is is <laughs> what I want to know. Like, yeah, uh, leave it in, take it out, leave it in. I'll leave it in. Uh, yeah, I just you know that's kind of the wild west days back then. I say this a lot on this podcast, but the you know the 80s and 90s in Christian music was kind of the wild west, and you know just there's so much going on, and so many artists out there, and so many projects coming out. I mean, it was really great, but you know, it's stuff like that that just kind of gets lost in the in the shuffle. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- I remember us doing uh, uh, this. Is not necessarily funny, but coincidental. I mean, we're doing um, a, the n- the new Young Messiah photo shoot, you know, because we're the new guys and they've got a couple of new artists in, and so <clears throat> they do a group stuff. They they do, you know, they shoot everybody and then they do a group. They do each artist individually. So we had just got through shooting. I'm walking on my way out. They had snacks, but I went to go get lunch. And I passed this girl and she goes, Kirk? And I go, Pam? And our management team was Atkins Muse. And the Pamela Muse went to the college I did, except she was, I was 13 when started taking voice lessons and my voice le- teacher was the director of the PR group that went out. So I knew her and her brother, but I had no idea that Muse was Pamela Muse. So it wow. was like, so I hadn't seen her. I was 33 then. I hadn't seen her since I was 13. That was, that was an in- interesting, that was an interesting thing. <laughs> we ran across a lot of people that either we knew back in the day, they all kind of converged into the Christian music industry 
or people who would go on to be big names. Do you remember when we would go over to our, I, I can't remember the, the name of the company. It was our first financial management company. And we would go into their offices every now and then, just sit down and look well, over that the books was, and forecasts What you're and talking stuff. about is the first time we went in. Well, okay. But I mean, we would go in there and I just remember there was a receptionist. And when we would walk by, I remember Mark would always say, wow, she's pretty. No, I went, I, it was me. I go, oh, was it you? the heck is that? It's what yeah. I wanted to know. Yeah. Good. And it turned out to be Shania. Shania Twain. Well, yeah. his response his response was he says, Well, yeah, she's she's yeah, she's very pretty and she's this awesome singer, but she doesn't want anybody to know that she sings. And I thought, well, I don't care if she sings or not. <laughs> <laughs> and of course you were single at the time. You're exactly. Like, okay. Yeah. Oh, you missed your opportunity there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, of uh, course. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, she needed mutt laying in her life for sure. Well, for a short period of time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, I, what I want to do is I want to, I just want to tell some stories here. Um, just like we always do, you know, we, we did a little thing uh, a few years ago, maybe not that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago for, um, for Carmen's tribute after Carmen passed, Carmen had passed away. Stephen Yake did a video for TBN and asked us to come in and sing a couple of Carmen songs. And I remember getting there the night before into Nashville and we hung out in a hotel room, the four of us to go over the songs and kind of rehearse and stuff. But I just remember we may have rehearsed for maybe 30 minutes and told stories and laughed until 3 a.m. I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I miss getting together and singing with you guys, but really I just miss hanging out because we have so many stories. We laugh so much, you know, uh, we have survived so much together. And I just thought I would give our audience just a little peek at some of those things that we laugh about and, and some of the things that people would never know that, you know, again, putting a bunch of people on a bus for, for a bunch of years, it, it, it's, it's a unique experience for sure. Um, you know, even go and you, you had a different experience than I did when you were first in truth back in the mid eighties. You know, uh, the, 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 the bus wasn't quite as nice or as updated, but, uh, I want to know about your ex first experience of getting on a tour bus and how you survived that. Well, my first experience prepared me for the second one. I would, I wouldn't <laughs> have made it the second one if it hadn't been for the first one. I do. Well, you know, everybody, you know, I, I get on the bus and everybody I'm low, I'm low man on the totem pole. Cause I, you know, I don't. I didn't have the experience. Everybody else had already been had four years of college, and and we're talking about truth here. And I had the same experience. Yeah, when I came in, I just felt like a peon, and you know, you had to, you kind of have to work your way up in that in that little in that little closed in society. But go ahead. I felt like I had to I, wor I had to work my way up for the first two years. <laughs> uh, we, there's so many uh, so many, but back 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 in the day. I mean, we used to have the road manager would stand on the outside of the bus right next to it, and he would make sure that you didn't have tennis shoes on and that you had a shave. So, I mean, it was a, sh a shave. That's right. If you weren't, if you weren't clean shaven, he'd go, you lose your razor. I mean, it was. Wow. Yeah. It was like being in the Marines. Uh, so. And and being on time and all those things. So I say I say that to say this. 
we're we're in Canada. We're doing a Canadian tour, right? And we have this, uh, for lack of better terms, a road manager. And so um, he was very a stickler uh, with time. And so we we had a day off. And so there were it wasn't me. We had a couple of people late. And so we're going to Victoria uh, Victoria Island. And so uh-huh. we we get there. We're just a nudge late. And so the road manager is not happy with with a couple of people that were late. So he decides he's going to ask everybody how they felt about the people who were late, how they felt about that. And as he's exercising his authority, we see the ferry pull right off. <laughs> Paul, he asks Paul, Paul Lynch, Paul Lynch is, Paul Lynch is uh, funny. He goes, yeah. Paul, what do you think about it? He says, I don't know what, I don't know what to say, but uh, while we're talking, our vacation just, just pulled out from port. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a location joke, but it was hysterical. Yeah. Oh, that just happened all the time. There was because... You know, you think about it, the truth experience was what twenty to twenty-five people on a bus at the same time, right. all from different walks of life, all trying to prove themselves, all looking for some sort of authority or you know to move. You, we talk about moving up the ladder a little bit in you know being being the one who gets to sing the next big song or whatever, uh, and, and it did create a little bit of a chaos, you know, and especially if you've had if you got personalities in charge that really didn't quite know what they're doing. They were faking it till they made it, which, you know, kind of all of our stories, but you know, there were a lot of people in charge who probably shouldn't have been in charge. Well, there you go. And, and you know, you look them back and going as if, if, when you were in truth, you, you looked at the thing like, well, why did he pick him? Well, then you get out and, and get into real life scenarios. You're thinking, how, how did, how did Roger do that? How did he pick him? It was the look of the draw sometimes. Who was in? Yeah. He would get people on the road, and then they didn't work out. Two days later, we were dropping them off at their house, and now that's funny. I mean, yeah, there, there's just all kinds <laughs> of stuff. The host homes, were, yeah, because everybody survived, and you know, yeah, it, and it, it, and it yeah. wasn't the end of the world. There were we had the host homes were funny too. Um, oh man, that's 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 a whole other deep dive. But let's go there since you brought it up. <laughs> Well, I remember. I remember one time we were in uh, North Carolina. It's in winter. Well, before you, before you, before you tell that story, for people to understand what host homes are, you probably do from from that phrase. But we didn't stay in hotels. It wasn't until we were in For Him that we actually got hotel rooms. And well, the married couples big got big deal. Well, not all married couples. Jackie and I didn't. We rotated. Well, yeah, uh, rotation, we, we, rotation. Yeah, but but you know, every three or four nights because there were like four married couples on the road at the time we got married, and we you know, once every four nights is not a lot. <laughs> that means three nights in a host home. So what would happen was you would finish the concert, you would come down. Everybody once the truck was loaded up and everything was done, we would come back into the auditorium of the church wherever we sang, and I remember it being Alicia Williamson. At, for a long stretch there, uh, she was the one who would pair up host families with truth members. And so what they would do is, you know, a church would bring us in, organization would bring us in, and then they would, to save money, they would reach out to families and say, hey, would you host, you know, one, two, three, or four truth members, take them home with you, 
give them a place to sleep, do their laundry, which was huge because, you know, if you're not going to, you're on the, we were on the road, what, 350 days a year. Yeah. So that was your home. You had to do your laundry on the road. You know, you had all, none of us had, were running businesses or anything just because there was not enough. We weren't making enough money to have anything else on the side, <laughs> but it was our whole lives. And so the, the quality of the host home was huge because it was a place where you could go and, and be comfortable for, you know, or maybe be by yourself for a few hours and get your laundry done, maybe get something really good to eat, a good, a good home cooked meal. Uh, and so they would, uh, Alicia would have this list and say, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and they would raise their hand and say, okay, you're taking Kirk and Andy home tonight. And so we would say, okay, come meet us around the, by the side of the bus. We'll get our luggage, put it in your car. And then you go home with people you've never met before. And so there's a, there's, there's a lot going on there for a lot of those situations. And, uh, some of them are really, really good. I, I will say a lot of them were very good. In fact, even today, you know, I'll, I'll be somewhere and they're like, you probably don't remember this, but you stayed at my house yep. you know, in 1989 in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'll just be like, oh, thank you so much. But then, you know, there are a bunch that stick in our brains. You know, it's always the bad situations that you remember. You don't remember all the good ones. So I just want to set all that up as we get into host home stories. So back to North Carolina. There, there's a, there's a term, term for that, and I don't know what it is. We'll have to call, we'd have to call Marty to get the term. So, but anyway, we're in North Carolina and, um, how many, there were four of us and it's dead of winter, North Carolina. We go home and the, these people, they, they, they really didn't have anything. And, and I appreciate that. They really, there, there's not a lot they can do at the church or financially. And so, and so their heart was, well, we'll reach out our home, these guys, and that'll be a minister. And it was. You know, I'm yes. not, not ungrateful. So we get there, <laughs> we get there. Of course, I, I was not raised with any kind of alcohol in the house. So we go in the house <laughs> and the guy has a small brewery in the living room with the, he's oh got, my gosh. he's got like uh four or five big, you know, those big jugs that the water comes in. Those were uh -huh. all dripping wine fermenting. And then he had four or five more brewing the beer. No, we didn't ask for any. We didn't get any because, you know. Uh-huh, so, sure. sure <laughs> no, I don't. No. <laughs> no. So, so, it's cold in the house. We're breathing. You can see your breath. Well, what had happened oh, is man. they find, uh, the daughter tells us, hey, you know, we, 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 we didn't have the money to pay the power bill. So, oh. uh, that night we go to bed and thank God they get, they had blankets they, I had a stack of blankets like that to keep me warm. And then they had another bedroom where one of the other guys, but the other two guys and one of the other guys was Mike Childers. And they're in a camper outside with no heat. Oh my God. So we get up, you wake up in the morning and you can see your breath. Okay. Well, that's good. I, you know, I can get up and put my clothes on, but here's the deal is that you got to get, go take a shower, all that. You haven't lived till you walk in a shower and you get in the shower and you're breathing smoke <laughs> in the shower. Oh, and it was a real treat getting out because you're, yeah. it's cold anyway. I, I mean, I've got a, a little portable heater in my master bathroom and it goes and it's still chilly getting out of the shower. I mean, I don't want to be graphic, but that was really interesting. 
freeze. Oh my death. gosh. They're, Man, I, I remember so many times, again, you remember the bad ones more than the good ones. I just remember so many times just not having clean sheets, like crawling into bed after a really long day, and there's like cereal. And because you're, you're usually, they'll move, they'll move the kids out of the room you're going to stay in, you know, so it's, you know, it's pink walls and teddy bears and, you know, all this stuff like that. And you pull it back, and they haven't changed the sheets in two weeks. And you're like, I'm sleeping in somewhere where a four-year-old has peed the bed a couple of times and you're just like i can't i just want to go to sleep in a clean place you know and that must have happened i can't tell you i lost count of how many times i would pull back the sheets and go or pull back the cover and go nope (laughs) put the cover back on and i would sleep under towels because i knew at least i would smell the towels and go at least the towels are clean exactly and you know and then boy if you ever got to go to the hotel even if it was, and they weren't, we're not staying at Marriott's and Hilton's. I mean, it's like Red Roof Inn and Knights Inn. If it was that good, those places, yeah. And but you're, but you're kind of like, oh, thank God. I didn't stay you in know, a hotel. Least, I know in, there's been a maid in here. I didn't stay in a hotel in Truth until not on a regular concert night until I was in Truth the second time. There was no the single people, and and at one point, uh, 1983, we had six married couples on the road because dan and donna oxley came back in Mm um we that was when we got the the van from what what mark four mark three what was it uh mark mark four mark four that's when because we Uh had we had we had out of ocala florida yeah we had 30 people on the bus so Mm. but um um yeah that bus yeah, that bus experience was, you know, you look back on it now and just go, I, I'm, I'm, it's a miracle we survived because again, everybody's under the age of 30 pretty well, except for Lanny. Lanny was the only guy that was ever <laughs> in his, you know, was so much older than the rest of us. And, uh, but you know, uh, we had, we, you mentioned that we had, a, we had a bus, 40 foot bus. We had a Mark, a conversion van, a Mark four conversion van. And we also had a, a tractor trailer. 40 foot tractor trailer. And so we were the drivers. Now I never drove the truck. I drove the bus a little bit right towards my, the end of, of, uh, of, of truth. And if you want to listen to the for him podcast, you can hear us talk about, you know, the first bus that we had in for him. That was interesting, but, um, there was, I mean, there were all night drives. So we would finish a show. And a lot of times, if it was more than a day's drive to get to where we were going, we would have to drive all night long. So that just meant there was some, one of the girls would stay up with the, with the bus driver yep. in three hour shifts and, and keep them awake and talk to them. And then somebody drove the conversion van. And then there was, we had a truck driver who was, you know, one of us, you know, a lot of times it was, I just remember it being, uh, I remember it being, um, um, Brian Smith, for a long time, who was our, one of our trombone players. And we can talk about Brian here in a minute. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Gina Walker's husband, um, Mike, Mike Walker. Yeah. Mike Walker drove the truck as well. So those of us that didn't drive, let me just set this up for you. Those of us that didn't drive would have to get up every, there were three hour shifts. So you would probably pull out of the parking lot. Let's just say it at, you know, midnight. So there's the midnight to three shift. Then there's the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift and the 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. shift. And so you would get up and ride 
with the person in the van or with the person in the truck to keep them company and keep them awake. And Kirk, by the time you came back into the group when I was there in 1987, you were making about 10 times what I was making. (laughs) (laughs) I was the... Well, so you had a little more cash in your pocket and you played that really, really well to where (laughs) John Thorne was my guy, (laughs) John Thorne, John Thorne, who went on to play with Whiteheart and Margaret Becker. And, um, he was our, he was our bass player for a long time. And John, John probably took half your money. Well, John, John had a car and he didn't, he wasn't able to sell it for some reason. And so he was, um, so he was always looking for extra ways to make cash. And so he would come up to me a week before we we're done. Hey, we got an all night drive coming. You got somebody and go, no, you're, you're <laughs> I, pay, I don't know. I paid 15 bucks, which is, a, which was huge, huge money back, back then. then. Yeah. So he would write, well, I have a really funny, the, I was driving the bus and Gina Walker, who you were just talking about mm-hmm. was right. And here's the thing is the, the drivers had to drive three hours but the girls only had to stay up for two. So anyway, we're sweating through and we're both blitzed because we've had, I don't know, two or three all night drives in a row. And so I'm driving and I'm, I'm doing this right. And, and you can't get somebody else cause they're going to do the same thing. They're tired too. So Gina is, is in the buddy seat and I'm talking to her. I can't remember what I said. And I hear her say, yeah, but then I heard it. And she fell asleep in mid sentence and I'm like, you know, trying to hold it because there are people three feet behind me sleeping. Right. So for some reason I said something to her and I, I, I watched her, I turned to see her response and I see that. Yeah. And then it's Roger's fault. Cause I don't know. And so in that, at that point you're, you're, you're giddy, you're giddy cause you're so tired and we're, we're laughing yeah. our brains out and we have, Mike Childers in the back, who was the drummer and our music director for quite a while. Shut up. Shut up. We're trying to, <laughs> but watch inside. He was sleeping seen... by me. He was my, he was my, uh, my sleeping partner. I'm going to say this very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really weird. <laughs> you, we had, <laughs> you had, oh my gosh. As I say it, it sounds so weird, but we had sleeping partners and, you would because there are only a couple of bunks on the bus and that's where the backup driver would sleep and, and the road manager, you know, they got those perks. The rest of us would sleep on the, 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 the couch would pull out and make like a little bit bigger than a twin bed. And then the dinette would fold up and turn into a bit of a twin bed. And then you had these berths that came down out of the ceiling and people could sleep on that, and they're about a little smaller than a twin bed. But um, there was we everybody kind of had their place where they slept every night. Well, Mike Childers and I were were sleeping buddies, and so we would sleep head to foot. So yeah, I was about to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, let yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That I just want, yeah. There, there's nothing nothing weird going on, but you would, um, yeah, that you just got comfortable kind <laughs> of being having those people that you knew you know, you could get a good night's sleep and be, you know, in very close proximity to. And so it just kind of just became a routine, but yeah, I can totally see Mike, you know, just going, shut up in there, shut up in there. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing is that when, 
we all we all we all had a a, a a set place that we usually slept. So the big deal is when we're doing an all night drive, mm-hmm. and Andy remembers this well, is you get to call where you're going to sleep, but you can't call the place you're going to sleep until the you hear the driver click it into drive, and then everybody yep. screams at the same time. Oh, it was and, a it, it was a scene. I will never forget yeah. outside middle couch. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it was me and Dave Cleveland. Yeah. So, oh yeah, Dave. When I came back, Dave and Tammy had just gotten married, right? They'd mm-hmm. been married a few months when I came back. So, Tammy, Tammy pulled me over to the side one time. He says, "She goes, man, I, I, I'm really sorry about Dave." And I go, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "Well, usually every all night drive, I have to come over to your bunk and and take uh, Dave's leg off of your yours." Guy and I never snuggling. He's snuggling with you. Dude, I remember that <laughs> that reminds me. One night, um uh I'm in the in the bunk where I am. And of course, where where I'm sleeping, you I can reach out my arm to the right and touch the bathroom door. No problem. Don't even have to extend my arm all the way. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I hear something and it's Gina Walker again, and she goes to the little girl's room, right? So I don't remember what it was. Oh, we dodged a deer or an elk or something and did one of these. Well, yeah. Gina didn't have the door shut all the way and it it wasn't and or it wasn't locked. So <laughs> you feel the swerve, you hear a scream and the door pops open and Gina falls out in the in the floor. Now you there's nothing showing. I mean, you know, there's there's nothing cuz She's covered. Of course, the first thing, she's not going to break the fall. She's going to grab whatever clothes she got. So she was fully dressed when she fell. She goes, man, I was on the pot <laughs> when, <laughs> when I fell off. And, of course, it woke everybody up on the bus. I don't know if it was yeah. the jar or the scream. Only yeah. you know how. Oh, man. You know, Ooh, we had a bus accident for him. You know, right. What was that? 92, maybe. Not two, and three. I, yeah. Yeah, that's still very vivid to me. We, yeah, we, somebody pulled out in front of us and, and we rear ended them. And it was a, it was a pretty bad scene, but man, people falling out of bunks and dude, I was glass everywhere. It was, you always live with that fear of, man, if, if we have an accident at 70 miles an hour, it's going to be bad. And you hear about it all the time. I mean, you hear about, you know, rock stars and country stars and stuff that have bus, bus accidents and it's, it's a, it's a bad deal. Well, you know what? I rem- I remember that night because I was on the, I was on the very very top bunk. Uh, my name was my name was on the marquee. What I was doing on the top bunk, I don't know, but it don't matter. <laughs> it was, so anyway, the initial <laughs> impact woke me up, and I had the I had the presence of mind to grab the inside part of the uh, mattress. Uh-huh. I would have uh, I would have fallen out and. I, might, I don't know. I might have hurt myself, but I remember that was the first thing I remember because you're thinking about it, right? Yeah. The the yeah. The, the movement, mm-hmm. which the yeah. which reminds me when we were. This is a for him story, though. The we we're on the Young Messiah tour, right? And so the two people across from me is Max Licato and Ron Canoli. Yeah. So Max Licato, if you got Matt. Ma- Max is a famous Christian author and has a large church in San Antonio. And uh, 
uh, Ron Canoli was uh, this really big worship leader. So, oh yeah, Max, one of the, yeah one of the biggest at the time. Yeah, yeah. Max Max vo- vocalized to us that he was afraid that we were going to have an accident on the bus and he was going to fall out on the floor. Well, the first night we're on the road, you hear Matt. He's having a bad dream and he's screaming, "No, no, no!" <laughs> and so, so he wakes up. He stops, and the next night he does the same thing again. No, no, no! And you see Ron Canoli get up and because he had a dream that we were going off the road and we were all going to yeah. pass away. Well, that's that's uh, again, you know, after that bus accident. I had that emotion for a long time. I'm sure you did too, where it was hard to sleep through the night. Any type of movement or jerk, even on planes, like I would fall asleep on a flight and any type of turbulence, I would wake up just sweating and, and just gripping the seats because before that you get used to it. You're just like, yeah, that's, I can sleep through anything. But it was, it was a good year or so after that bus accident that uh, I, I could sleep through the night on a bus and kind of get back to normal. You know who else was on that bus with us was Mike English. Yeah. And Mike English, that, that bus was a lot like our, it was kind of a, a carbon copy of the truth bus, the one we had, our second bus that we had. And uh, so he was sleeping. We didn't have to sleep head to toe because we weren't many people on the bus, but he was sleeping on the couch. I was sleeping where the dinette was. And about an hour before we had that collision, um, I remember our bus driver was playing music really loud and maybe the CB was really loud and Mike got up. The curtain wasn't closed. There's a curtain that, that would close off the driver's, the, the driver's area. Right. And I remember, I remember Mike getting up and going, Hey man, it's just a little loud. I'm going to close this curtain. So he would, he closed the curtain about an hour before impact. And had he not done that, he and I would have been covered with wood and glass and shrapnel. I mean, it now our, our bus driver sustained some injuries, nothing serious, but he had glass all over him. And, and, uh, hey, anyway, I know it's a traumatic experience. We well, I wanted to share some fun stories, so that's not really a fun one, <laughs> but just to say it's, it's a weird world traveling. And, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have laptops. We didn't have iPads. You know, it, I had a game boy, which, man, I, I spent most of my money buying batteries for my Game Boy and playing Tetris. Uh, we had Walkmans, right? And you had, and what, what, had what, what video game, what baseball video game were you guys playing all the time? Oh, my gosh. We had, a, we, we had uh, man, I want to say just an old Nintendo that we hooked up back there. And we would play Tecmo Bowl. Y'all play Nintendo and everything, world, just like real oh, people. Oh, yeah, worlds. <laughs> it was always fun pulling up into parking lots because people always assumed there was somebody really famous on your bus. And, you know, our bus was purple. And so we got a lot of, we, we had a lot of fun telling people that, you know, our road manager would get off Mike's brother, who's since passed away, uh, would get off and go, yeah, princess. He just go, yeah, Prince is on the bus. He's probably not <laughs> going to get off, but yeah, this is Prince's Dude, bus. And that, people we, believe it. We talked about the accident, but I mean, the accident was not, there's nothing humorous about that. But the but after the accident, getting to the concert was planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh yeah, it was. It absolutely <laughs> was. Uh huh. Well, we had to walk. First of all, we had to walk like back to the next exit. There's a diner and a truck stop there, and remember, we sat there for several hours while uh uh was Mike Quistad? Yeah, was was Mike Quistad with us? Dad? Yeah. I don't 
Uh, so yeah, Mike Quistad um, was trying to find a way because we were supposed to be in Sacramento, which fun fact I have, you got to see this. So you'll get to see this if you're watching the video, but give me just a second here. Check this out. I have a, it's the video. It, it's the poster from that concert in Sacramento with us and Mike English. And there's the date on it. It's uh, October 19th. And that would be 1993. Hey, I have, I have a stack of those that high at my house. Wow. I don't know why I have them. I have, you know, I have all of the orchestra, all the, all the, uh, I have the score from the Christmas album. Do you really? I do. It's sitting at a oh box my in my, gosh. in the next bedroom. It's the, it's in- his manuscript. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. You're talking about Ralph Carmichael. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. That's a, that's a keepsake. Well, you know, what's crazy about this poster is I was doing a, an event, um, just a few months ago down in Sacramento with a buddy of mine. And he was talking that he was telling me he got saved. His mom took him to a for him concert and he got saved at his church in Sacramento. And I said, what year would that have been? And he was like, I think it was around 1993. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Someone just sent me John Robertson, uh, one of our own promoters. Um, he just sent me that, uh, co- that, that poster. And so I'm going to, I'm going to send this to him. Uh, because that was the night he got saved. And I'm like, how cool is that? I said, but yeah. So, um, you know, going back to planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, we had a show that night. So this happened at like 6 a.m., right? It's and so, right, we were just outside of, uh, I believe we we're just outside of Reno. We were coming, we, were, we just left a show in Boise the night before. We were somewhere just, just uh, east of Reno, Nevada. And so somehow, and I'm going to have Mike Quistat on the, on the pod here. Cause I, I think people would love to hear road manager stories. Um, so, uh, Mike Quistat figures out how to find a, another coach and he finds a, um, a senior gambling coach that was coming from somewhere with a bunch of seniors going to gamble in Reno and they pull over to the side of the road and we get all of our stuff out of the out from underneath the bus and we put it on that coach and we're riding with all these seniors to Reno and they drop off the seniors in Reno and that bus takes us on to Sacramento and we get to the church like 45 minutes before the show starts and i just remember we getting shower we were going through all of our belongings and and we got up. We had Mike English. That Mike English for him show went on as planned. Fortunately, and that's what you a, did back then. Fortunately, it was a really nice. That was Kent Farron's church. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Paul, uh, that's right. Yeah, we they had showers and everything there. Uh, what what was it? Something first assembly. I can't uh, I'll tell you right now. I'll look on the poster. It was uh, uh, Capital Christian Center. Capital Christian Center. Yep, mm-hmm. in Sacramento. That's funny because yeah. I, I worked at PTL with Kent and Paul Farron. Paul Farron was the uh, conductor of the mm-hmm. PTL Orchestra. That's right. That's uh-huh. right. Yeah. So, yeah, those days in, back in truth were, I mean, they're a blur, but, man, I have so many I have so many memories of, you know, really great concerts. Um, gosh, crazy host homes. Um, you remember you know, the... the, the, the you remember the? You remember some of the food? 
Dude, <laughs> we were we were we went we were up where were we went in Montana or North Dakota? Your brother's in Montana, right? What, uh-huh. I know what you're talking about. Are you talking about the uh hey, have some chicken? No, no, this was this was <laughs> I remember the, being in Colorado and they said he said, Here, here's some chicken. And they were calf fries. They were mountain oysters. That was Oklahoma. And they didn't tell us. That was Oklahoma. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Colorado. No, my but... mom and dad were there. Oh, <laughs> well, then probably was. <laughs> like, dude, we, get, we go to the, uh, uh, it's cold, you know, and you're burning more calories, and we're all young, and, and so you're looking forward to the next hot meal. You know, anything hot, we don't care. You know, if it's spaghetti, which we got a lot of up north. So yeah. we get there, and we're all sitting down. There is nobody in there. You know, most big churches have big fellowship hall kitchens, commercial kitchen, right? We're sitting there. Yeah. There's nobody there. And we see somebody walk in, and uh, they set their dish down and uh, uncover it. And it's uh, one of those congealed salads with, you know, shredded carrots yeah. and raisins mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I, we're like, I'm okay. Two people walk in. Both of them have congealed salad. Yep. I remember this night. Dude, it was all, I think one person brought a meat dish, but everybody who brought something was a Jell-O congealed <laughs> salad. I, I think Roger maybe went and got us Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about that, too. Roger was very good about about saving money. I mean, he was he was the king of budgeting on the road. And so, you know, every great once in a while. He would work some deal where we got this. I remember being in Florida one time, and it was like this little tiny uh, roadside motel. But it was actually pretty cool because it was right on the it was right on the water on the Gulf, somewhere around the Sarasota area. And so every once in a while, you get something cool like that, or he'd work out, you know, something in the city in New York City or in San Francisco or something like that. We would have this really cool experience. But most of the time, it was I remember the like the guys would be four and five to a room. I remember a lot of times five guys in a double room and with a, there would be a roll with a, away, a roll away <laughs> uh, with a roll away. And so, uh, yeah, so there, there was a lot of that going on, spend as little money as possible on hotels and, and meals. But he would go in when, when we would stop somewhere and he would, he would get off the bus and say, God's people, I'll be right back. And he'd get off the bus and he'd go into a Western Sizzlin' And he would negotiate with the manager and he would come back on the bus and go, okay, I made a deal with the manager. Uh, I got him tickets for tonight's show. And what he's going to do is you going to let you order anything off the senior citizens menu. <laughs> the deli the de- and the deli yeah. plate at Piccadilly's. Yeah, exactly. And no soft drinks, <laughs> soft drinks are extra. You can have God's people can have tea or water and, and there's no refill on those teas now. All right. So <laughs> we're like, okay, you know, I'm here. I am 21 years old ordering off the senior citizens menu. And I'm like, well, this is my life, isn't the, it? The infamous saying those guys, people yeah. don't get the cheapest, but don't get the most expensive. Yeah. Now we can, and the reason I, I'm not sure, but I think the reason was Marty. Cause if you didn't put a limit on Marty, Marty would be having steak and lobster at, at the, uh, Oh, he was famous for it. Oh, gee. Yeah. <laughs> he would too. Right. There's some stories there, but we won't we won't go there with Marty. <laughs> uh but uh <laughs> yeah, I, I remember and I remember in those early days before him, 
you know, uh, it was a, it was crazy because some places we did, we did like 250 shows that first year for him, but we were just kind of following all the places. The truth had been the last couple of years was 275. Wow. Crazy. And I remember, uh, I remember I was the, I was the accountant or the bookkeeper for the first couple of years. And I just remember some of those, some of those concerts, they paid us $500 and that was, that was barely enough to get us, you know, to pay our expenses and, you know, but it was like, well, we'll sell t-shirts and CDs and that's where we made our cassettes. That's where we really made our money was at the product table. But a lot of these promoters were just like hanging on by a thread, bringing us in and they would have like, you know, they would have like uh, tamales and, you know, a bag of corn, <laughs> unshucked corn sitting backstage for us. We're like, um, okay, well this will feed us, but we're going to need something a little bit different. You know, right. so is there anything in it, you know, uh, or, or, you know, they just wouldn't have anything at all. And we'd have to send people out last minute, just go, wait, we got to eat. You remember, you know, you remember the night, the time that we did, uh, we did a concert and it was sponsored by the local, uh, radio station. And so, uh, it was, a, it was, a their, their, their fundraiser period of time. What I forgot what they call it uh-huh. uh, to get yeah. partners and that, that kind of thing. Share it, share it, share it on, share on like that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, we're not going to make a lot of money cause we're right. You know, we're not, we're, we're going to give the money to the radio station and blah, blah, blah. So we, what you're talking about, what, you know, we, that's, we sell t-shirts and hats and stuff. So we get to the venue and, uh, uh, we set up, do sound check and all that. And what we didn't know that the promoter didn't tell us is they, they weren't giving tickets. When you bought your ticket was the t-shirt they sent you. Oh, I, I saw you post sell, this the other day. I don't think we sold one t-shirt that <laughs> night. You know, somebody put that on Facebook. Somebody still has the yeah. t-shirt. It was in Detroit. Yeah. It was up somewhere in North. We're like, yeah, Maine. I think it was in Maine or okay. something like that. <laughs> oh, okay. So speaking in Maine, I remember when we took Jackie Velasquez and her band out with us and we did a concert in, it was either Portland or Bangor, uh, somewhere up in that area, a uh, really great church. And they, they surprised us with a lobster dinner for everybody on tour. So, you know, between us and Jackie and our band and crew, there were probably, I don't know, 30 people, 30 people on that tour. And they had a two pound lobster for everyone on tour. And so huge tray. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, this is heaven. Surfing. Like we're off. Yeah. And, and I, I told, I remember telling Jackie about this, uh, uh, several years ago when I was talking to her laughing about it, but her and her band came in, they went gross. We can't eat that. And we were like, guys, it's like, it's lobster. I mean, it's like, it's you know Maine how much cost somewhere else. It's Maine lobster. And, and they were just like, uh, can we just, can somebody go to McDonald's or, I mean, they were just like, can somebody go out and get us like some real food? Youth is And they did. The, the promoter was very kind and they did. And I just remember you and I and Marty <laughs> sat backstage for two hours. I mean, it was, it was through our dinner time through Jackie's concert and we may even come back because we went in after we went on after Jackie after the intermission. So there was a good hour by the time she got on about before and we got on and we stuffed ourselves, man. We were like, we're not going to let, 
we're going to let as few of these lobsters go to waste as possible. I just remember that day just going, if uh, this, this is like one of the greatest moments of my life, just sitting here, just cracking those things open. And I mean, we made ourselves sick on those things. Oh man, it was, they were, they were good. I think Mike Quistad, our road manager made a deal with the promoter. <clears throat> they were short of money or, oh no, we gave the caterer free tickets. They made a deal. Look, if you get, we get lobster, we'll get you and your family and some of your friends in. Dude, I remember the tray. The tray was like this giant metal tray. Yeah. They were lined up. Yeah. Oh, I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going go to, back. I'm, Time I'm, to go back to Maine. I'm going to drive 10 minutes and go get some really good seafood. <laughs> yeah, because you live in Mobile. You still live in Mobile. Yeah. And, man, that's a thing that I miss living there. We love it in Tulsa, but man, when we come down to Mobile, that's just all we're going to do is eat shrimp and crab claws and fresh fish. And it is to me, Mobile and that area is the, is, has the best seafood I've ever had anywhere. Hey, when you come, when you come back, there's a place right around the place from the church. Andy's came, uh, Andy came to our church at least twice. Uh huh. And, and are you talking about Cravers? Yeah, Cravers. Yeah, did oh, you, Cravers did you is there? awesome. You know, oh what, yeah, I've been there several times. You know what's funny is that I've been trying every every time we have a rehearsal, I go, "Hey, why don't you let, why don't you let this person sing the verse? Or I'll sing the verse, and they sing the high part to get the get one of the girls." And you know that's old school. Until you yeah. came in and we did it, she goes, "How did you guys do that?" Well, because I sang the verse, <laughs> and Andy came and started singing that high chorus in overdrive. Yep. That's how that happened. But yeah, that's was, right. Yeah, was, we had a little, yeah, we knew what we were doing back then. It's just so fun when we still get back together because, man, all that stuff just falls back into place. We hear each other. We know each other's tendencies. We can match, you know, what the other one's doing. And uh, I just did a show last night uh, with um, uh, Grady Nichols, my friend Kelly Ford, and it was really fun. It was a Christmas show. We sold out the Maybe Center in Tulsa. And uh, it was, uh, it, it was it was really fun, but what we didn't have was that what I used to have with we used to have with for him cohesion was that you could get cohesion where you could you know you could almost batch up vibratos or you know there was just this this way to get in and out of moments that we just had when you when you tour it you know and so uh, you know we had a lot of fun but um, you know I did get a little I did get a little like uh, bucket list thing happened to me that night. Last night, are you going to because God? Yeah, yeah well, I'm gonna let you say. Yeah, that. all right. Yeah, so um, our, our sa the sax player who headlined tonight is called the Grady Nichols Christmas Show, and I've been doing some some shows with Grady now for the last several years as his as his main singer, and um, he got to play on a live Kenny Loggins project about two years ago. Kenny came down and did a little private recording in at Church Studios here in Tulsa. And through connections, so we we know a lot of Kenny's band. Scott Bernard on guitar, um, Chris Rodriguez, who's been on Kenny's tour on and off for the last fifteen years. One of his former road managers, He's a very good. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, you know, so we know a lot of people around Kenny. Well, Kenny for me is like he is my number one vocal hero. So back in the day when someone would say, you kind of sound like Kenny Loggins, be like, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. I mean, it's like, uh, Dude, and Bob even to go Kimana, back further, 
Vox Humana, oh, man. Gosh. Well, which Michael Amartian produced on. Yeah. Who produced a lot for us. Forever, yeah. forever in your arms. Dun, 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 yep. dun. Oh, gosh. Yep. Oh, yeah. Such good stuff. Uh, and we got to, actually got to meet Kenny the first time. Uh, man, it's back in the early 2000s. Um, we were in Arizona. We were in Phoenix. We had a night off. Yeah, you didn't call me. And you didn't call my room. And I went, you, you went I, where and did what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we, we went. I think uh, man, uh, I, Chris Rodriguez got us tickets, and we went back to meet Kenny after the show. And I'm just like, I'm like hyperventilating because I'm like, this is my hero walking up. And he said, it was right after our hymns record came out. And, uh, and when, when Kenny came up, Chris said, Hey, Kenny, these are the guys I was telling you about. I gave you their hymns record. And Kenny shook my hand, looked me straight in the eye and said, Oh man, I love, I love your vocals on that record. And I was like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) I am completely done. I don't have to do anything else in my career. My vocal hero just said he heard what I did. I'm retiring tomorrow. (laughs) That's right. So now, now, uh, fast forward to what happened last night. Um, uh, we, uh, Grady and I, as we were producing this show and putting it together, I said, you know, you, Kenny gave you his phone number. I said, have you guys texted back and forth? He goes, nah, not really. He said, he was just, I think he was just being nice. Given, I said, dude, if he gave you his phone number, you should at least try and text him and just see, you know, what level he will respond to you. So he did. And Kenny responded within five minutes, just said, Hey man, I remember that. That was so cool, man. You're a great player. All that stuff. And I said, Oh, you're in. I said, because he didn't ignore it and he didn't just like, you know, give it a thumbs up. Right. He actually took time to respond to you. I said, what if, because we were going to do celebrate me home for this Christmas show. I said, what if, what if we could get Kenny to say hello to Tulsa? And do a lot, like do a little iPhone video for our sold out crowd in Tulsa. So he, he texts him back and tells him all this information about the show. You know, Lisa Bain Ministries, who was, who was the benefactor for the show. And, and, uh, anyway, Kenny does the video, but he doesn't just say, hello, Tulsa, Merry Christmas. He goes, he goes, hello, Andy. Hello, Grady. And then talks about the Christmas and talks about celebrate me home. And he says, and Andy Christman is going to sing it for you now. And I know Andy's going to do a fine job. And I mean, when I f- saw that video, when it came back, I'm literally on the floor, my heart pounding out of my chest, <laughs> just going, I just can't, I, I can't believe it. So anyway, it was a, it was a big hit Dude, last night. That is, that, that is awesome. S- same thing uh, on a smaller level with me. And, uh, uh, we, uh, Beth and I were on the way to the beach. And if you don't know where mobile is you're we're an hour and 45 minutes from some of the best beaches in the world probably in the top yeah. 10 uh-huh. so anyway we're on our way the redneck to, riviera redneck riviera uh yep so we're uh we're on our way to the beach we're nearly there and they have a a, a place called the wharf and it's yep. a big outdoor amphitheater and they have everybody there everybody so as we're going we see a billboard Earth, Wind, and Fire, Chicago. So they're doing. If you didn't see that tour they did together, it was incredible. They wound up doing each other's songs, and so, of course, Bill. The two two of the influences in my life are Russ Taff and Bill Champlin. Uh, Bill Champlin is the guy who sings "Hard Habit to Break." That guy with the big yeah. raspy. So anyway, uh-huh. we go, and they are on that night. 
I mean, it's just, and I'm going to listen with critical ears because anyway, I've heard, I've heard that's what you do that. Well, yeah, what you I've do. heard both of those groups be, do really well. And then they, then they would just be awful. But that night, oh my gosh, they were incredible. So the next day, um, uh, oh, I got to say this, the, the, they're doing, uh, you hear the introduction come for hard habit to break and, and the lady behind me and her husband are just toasted out of their mind. And he's six, eight, 400 pounds. I mean, he's a monster of a man. And the, the Peter Cetera sings the verses, right? So he yeah. starts singing. Well, Jason Schiff. And she yeah. starts singing with him. The drunk lady behind me starts singing. <laughs> and I turned around going, if you, I'm going to kill you if you don't stop singing. And her That's husband, extreme. her husband <laughs> dropped his beer. He was laughing so hard because <laughs> he didn't want to hear his thing. Of course, I did it laughing. I just said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't stop singing, I'm going to kill you. Because that's my song. <laughs> I, I had that happen. I, I went to a Tears for Fear show, and they're like my favorite band of all time. I went to a Tears for a Tears for Fear show in Tulsa a couple of years ago, and the same uh, kind of the opposite thing happened. I was singing my guts out, <laughs> and this drunk lady in front of me turned around and said, "said You got an incredible voice." She said, "And I'm glad because you're singing blanking loud." <laughs> I went. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate so that. So anyway, the next morning I go. I'm on uh, Facebook, and I go. Oh, I wonder if Bill Champlin. I, I'm just gonna leave a message. Uh, yeah. I, I go in there. I go. Hey, 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 Bill, big fan. You sing your tail off. That's all I said. And uh, I'm I, uh, actually I messaged him. You know, in the you know messenger, and so uh -huh. the next day. I get a response. Not, I wasn't looking for one. He goes, "Hey, uh, I noticed uh, at that point on my Facebook, I was had a shot of for him, and I, uh, it was just a shot of me." He said, "Well, yeah. you it, are, do you sing? It, your 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 profile picture leads me to believe that." And I go, "Yeah, I, yeah, I, I I I did." And so he goes, he he messaged me back. He says, "Well, who do you sing with?" I told him I was in Christian music. I didn't say for him. Yeah. And, yeah. And he goes, well, I sing in this group called For Him. And uh, so I didn't hear from him that day. The next day, he sends me his home and mobile number. And what had happened is that he was he's really good buddies with Michael English. And oh, so yeah. he had yeah. actually heard our stuff. And so uh, we talked a little bit about Peter Wolf. And because they uh -huh. had just finished that record, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Chicago finished the record with a producer we worked in LA with in LA, but it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did yeah. all the talking. I won't tell you some of the stuff he says. He's a, he had, he has other language. He, <laughs> he, gets he has a colorful, colorful, colorful vocabulary. Yes, that's the, that's, that's the, really cool, man. That is really cool. You know, that's, the you know, it's, that's the second time I talked to him. Wow. It's funny how many times I, it's, you know, talk about Scott Bernard, who is, uh, the guitar, the lead guitar player and, and, uh, main backup singer for Kenny Loggins. When we went to his show a couple of years ago, it was, it was Kenny and 
Michael McDonald just put on a great show. And I bought like a, like a dumb dumb. I bought tickets to it. And then when I got there, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know half of Michael's band and I know half of Kenny's band up there, but I didn't know Scott yet. And so as soon as the concert was over, I just went to the edge of the stage and Carl Hergesell, remember Carl? Carl yeah. was, yeah. So Carl was up there breaking his keyboard rig down. And I just went, Carl. And he turned around and went, Chrisman, what are you doing here? And then, and then, and then here comes Chris Rodriguez. He's like, bruh, why didn't you tell me you're going to be here? Come on backstage and meet Kenny. And so, yeah. <laughs> so it's the second time I get to meet him. So I, but I go back there and on my way as I'm standing there waiting, I'm talking to, to Raj and waiting to go back to see Kenny. Um, I hear, I won't bend it. I won't break. I won't water down my, I turn around. It's Scott Bernard. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening right now? And if you, if you, if you've seen Scott, big dude, long hair, long beard, Weird. like serious, like, and just one of the most masterful musicians I've ever heard live. And I was like, what is happening right now? And he goes, dude, you're Andy Chrisman for him. He's like, I grew up on your music, bro. I would not be where I am today without the music before him. I just want to tell you, thank wow. you. We just, we've been friends ever since. And I'm just like, you know, it's crazy how many people are out there in the music industry that, that know about for him and for him was a part of their journey. And it's just, it's interesting as we get so much older, a lot of the people that were on their journeys around the time that we were, they're older too. So I think sometimes as these artists get older, they let their guard down a little bit. They let a little more people into their lives. And, and we start to look back and go and appreciate those connections of the people who really influenced us and, you know, kind of helped us in our journeys. And, uh, uh, you know, it sounds like you've had a lot of those, those situations too, where you walk into somewhere where you're just like, they're never going to, they're, I'm not going to say who I am because they wouldn't care or know. And they're like, oh no, I grew up on your music. Oh my gosh, where there's faith, future generations, basics of life, strange way to save the world. Like it's, it's crazy how many people heard our music and, you know, we can look back and go, yeah, you know, we didn't have the most album sales. We didn't have the most, you know, this or that we aren't, we weren't on TV all the time. We never got to do, you know, I just had, I just had first call on and they talked about, you know, doing the tonight show and, just all the really cool we things they got to do. We, we were never just with the wrong record company, I think. Well, that we, that, that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's a whole other. That is a definitely. You know, yeah. my neighbor but that we, just moved from San Diego. He's been there for a month. Somebody told him. Uh, somebody told him. I don't know who that I was in for him. Ca San Diego, California. They're huge for him fans. Wow, huge for him fans. He says, "You, you and for him." Because I saw him that when they were moving in, you know, you wave, you, you, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't tell him because how I wasn't for him. Don't you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You never want to lay down that card and then somebody go, who? Oh yeah. No, never heard dude, of you. Dude, yeah. when we were in, you we were in truth. We, we bought, we, uh, I don't know what you would call it. We, we, uh, it was, uh, Kenny, Kenny G and Michael Bolton. And we took the truth bus in, and they led us through. Do you remember? Oh that? my gosh, I do. We didn't. I don't think we had tickets or anything. And Paul, Paul Glasgow, you know, <laughs> we pull up to the gate. They didn't even look at us yeah. twice. We had a tour bus. 
You know, Lucius yeah. looked like one of the tour buses, yep. and we got him backstage. <laughs> we, we, okay, that reminds that reminds me of a story. You weren't a part of this, but Mark and I were when we got nominated for a Grammy for uh, the message. Uh, uh, our our label, you know, to their credit, flew us to New York City because it was at Madison. The Grammys were at Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. Flew us to New York City. Bill Baum got our A and R guy came up with us. Was going to go to the ceremony. Mike, Mike Atkins and uh huh yeah no uh, Bill Baumgart. Mike was there with up. us. I don't did Mike there? Oh yeah, yeah Mike he was, was there sitting with us. in, but yeah, he was sitting up there with us. So um uh we they they arranged limos to take us to drop us off at the front of Madison Square Garden where we could go in for the pre show, which is where our, our nomination was, and uh, you and Marty. We're in one limo with Bill and maybe Mike. And then Jackie and I and Mark and Jody were in another limo. And so your limo was in front of us and went towards our the entrance where we were supposed to go in. Our limo driver went toward the the uh, VIP entrance. And and we were just like, oh no, we're not supposed to. He goes, No, 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 this is where I'm supposed to drop the artists off. And we're like, okay. So there's these checkpoints along the way and he's rolling down the windows like who do you have in there i have for him and they're like like looking through the list going we don't see a him. no 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 they're they're nominated they're supposed to be here he talks his way through to where now we are we are uh in line to get out where all the cameras are <laughs> where it's like the red carpet okay <laughs> we're getting off in the red carpet area for the grammys and they we hear in front of we can hear in front of us we hear, ladies and gentlemen, Sting, and Sting gets out of his limo, and the and there's all these paparazzi, and there's crowds there, and everybody's applauding and screaming, ladies and gentlemen, Celine Dion, and everybody's crying, and then you hear, ladies and gentlemen, for him, crickets, crickets, <laughs> and we get out, we get out of the limo and go, uh, wow, this is this is crazy. And they have us, they file us down the interview line. And uh, Jackie says to this day, she remembers walking up behind Sting and going, like smelling his cologne, going, oh, he smells good. <laughs> and like, we're, we're like walking and, and, and nobody wants to talk to us. Right. <laughs> so we just kind of make our way. We're like making our way down the corridor. Then we get to the stage door and guess who's at the stage door going in backstage is Stephen Curtis Chapman. And Steven's like, buddies, oh my God, y'all, y'all come on in with me. Yeah. You know, cause he, he was hosting the pre, pre, pre show awards where the Christian music ones were going to be. And he, he, he's, he's guiding us into the backstage area and security stops us and goes, where are your credentials? And we went, um, yeah, we don't have any. And Steven just keeps walking, man. He doesn't even turn around <laughs> and help us through. He just keeps on going. And they shut the door on us. We have to walk all the way around Madison Square Garden to the other side. And when we get to our seats, you guys are like, where you guys been? And we're like, um, yeah, we got a we got a pretty amazing story here. That's funny. So that's the night that Celine Dion sang all by myself. That yep. was that brought the house oh down. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That yeah. That um um David Foster uh, was on the piano. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he fell. As soon as the cameras went off, he went to get up from his from the piano and he tripped and went down to his knees. And we all had a big laugh after that. But that <laughs> was never on camera. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Natalie Cole 
sang Unforgettable yeah. that night. Um, I remember Smashing Pumpkins. Remember saying 1979. Remember Hillary that night. Hillary Clinton getting spoken word. Oh yeah, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. And uh, oh, and um, I remember. Uh, oh, uh, Beck saying, um, "What I was talking is two turntables and a microphone." Right. That was that was one of the best experiences. What was the, that we've what was ever the uh, uh, Tracy? Was it Tracy Chapman? Tracy Chapman. He won a Grammy that night. I remember. Wow. Wow. So that would have been like 1997, Seven. probably. Seven yeah. or eight. Yeah. Well, we've gotten to do a lot of crazy things and, and really cool things. And I just I just wanted to take some time. I mean, we literally could sit here for three hours and, and talk. And maybe we'll do it again. But I just thought it would be fun for our listeners to hear, you know, just maybe one or two or three stories of what life was like back then and some of the memories that we carry. You know, we carry the bad ones along with the good ones. And then the bad ones become good memories too, just they because become, they're a part of our story. Well, they become, and they make you laugh. You get fired up. Yeah. They become funny. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. man, that back, you know, when it happened, it's like, oh man, that was terrible. And now it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Anything you survive and get past, what is it? If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. stronger. I think, you know, if it didn't kill you, it turns out to be funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we have a lot of those stories where we're just like, man, God. You blessed us and got us through that, and we're grateful that we, you know, we're still working and breathing and singing and making music. Uh, I love what you're doing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there at your studio in in Mobile? Church part time. Uh, I'm. A, uh, I don't know. And then I have my uh, doing a project right now for Russell DeShield, who is a former. Cruise member was the uh, uh-huh. in 74, 75 and was the drummer at PPL for many, many years. And so, and I'm about to do a project for uh, Jim Van Meter. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. About to do uh, after January 1st. So, this is just kind of, this is where I work. Um, uh, we, uh, for him, actually, we did, we did quite a few of the vocals on three records here. Yeah, that's right. On the last record, yeah. uh, Michael O'Martian came in with his engineer, Terry Christian, and we cut vocals out right up in the living room and in the <clears throat> yep. bedroom. Uh, yep. Had a, had a great time. Ate a lot of seafood. Mark's mom made mm, seafood, sure and my mama fixed banana cream and key lime pie. We ate ourselves. I do silly. remember that. Sure. Yep, I do remember that. Those were good times crazy that you just had michael marty and camping out in your house one of the great producers Dude, of all time freaked out the whole time uh, uh well yeah, the people who are watching imagine your favorite artist producer i mean because andy and i come from a generation of people we read album covers yeah and we were huge because michael marty and produced i mean he sold 350 million records in the 80s and 90s yeah yep uh, and then to have him in in my little this is my little project studio with the twelve by thirteen room uh, that was the that was something else I have yeah. I have pictures yeah picture to prove it prove yeah. he was there yeah that's incredible well uh, we'll get back to this again sometime thanks for hanging out with me and man you know anytime. I love you brother it's it's uh, I love you buddy. It's always fun to sit around and share these stories, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. I love you, buddy. It is so good to, it's good to spend time with you anytime. 
Hey, thanks for listening. Join me every Monday for new stories from the Christian music industry and beyond. If you want more content like this, along with a lot of great music, join me for Worship with Andy Chrisman, airing on 500 stations around the world every weekend. And when you get a sec, run over to my website, andychrisman.net. For information about my professional vocal coaching and an incredible new resource for worship pastors called The Worship Table. See you next time on the One Degree of Andy podcast.